If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I hope you do, turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, we'll be looking at verses 27 through 31. I realize now that i just looking at my notes. I left off 12. And so it's probably on your handout too. So that should be chapter 12, and verses 27 through uh, 31 there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 through 31. Got to leave it off of the screen too. Nope, I got it on the screen. Just didn't get it on the, in the notes. So uh, sorry about that. Uh, that should be 9-0 something. I forgot to put that in my notes too. It should be 9-0 something there in the Pew Bibles there. If you don't have your Bible, you can turn in the Pew Bible to... Uh, 904, I think, uh, just going off memory, but uh, turn with us there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 through 31 this morning as we look at prioritizing the vital gifts, prioritizing the vital gifts. You know, to a, a, a popular interest in our, our pop culture today is, is this idea of zombie apocalypse right where the, the the living dead we just experienced halloween and all that as well so uh you know that makes for a great horror movie but not very much reality uh you can't be living and dead those things don't go together you're either alive or you're you're dead you can't be both uh, if someone uh, appears to be dead in our world uh then they they you know the police officer gets there on a, an accident scene or, or goes to someone's home and uh, there's someone there who appears to be dead they're they're going to call uh, Terry Williams or, or one of the other deputy coroners and, and they're going to come in and they're going to check for life uh, right to make that determination to declare someone dead they will check for life they will check that person's vital signs they will check their pulse they will check their their for a heartbeat to see if that person is alive. They check those vital organs. We have vital organs within our body that if those vital organs aren't operating, then we die. The whole body dies. If the heart dies, the whole body dies. If the brain dies, the whole body dies. We cannot live without those vital organs. Uh, well, it's likewise in the church. Right? We, we've talked about last week, we looked at the importance of every member of the body, but we also need to realize that there are some vital organs in the church. There are some vital gifts in the church. There are few gifts that are vital to the life of the church, and without these gifts, the church is dead. If you take away these gifts, if you take away these, these people, then the church no longer exists as the body of Christ. And so we're going to look at those vital organs today. The church, here's our, our, our sermon in a sentence today, the church must prioritize the most vital spiritual gifts in order to live. The church, we as a church, we must prioritize the most vital spiritual gifts in order to live, to, in order to continue to exist as the living body of Christ. So last week we considered how spiritual gifts uh, bring unity through diversity and interdependence. So today we are going to recognize three vital gifts that are essential to the life of the church and how we must dedicate ourselves to these three vital gifts. So I want us to, as a church, to prioritize the vital gifts, those that, that bring life and continue to bring life to the life of the church. So if you found your place there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? 
do all speak in tongues? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a more excellent way. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. May he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. So as we begin to to look at this last paragraph here in chapter 12, uh, Paul reminds us, right, he starts off this paragraph reiterating the fact that every gift is important. Every gift is important to the health, the healthy functioning of the church. So we're not taking that back, right? We're, We're not taking that back. Every church member with all of the spiritual gifts that every church member brings into the body, uh, every gift, every member is important to the healthy functioning of the church. Notice what he says there. Now, you are the body of Christ. Now, that's a plural you. Y'all, as we would say here in the South. Y'all are the body of Christ. Every person here is the body of Christ. And and so there's a a corporate aspect that we need to to realize. We corporately, we are the body of Christ. You yourself, by yourself, individually, you are not the body of Christ. We live in a very individualized society and, and everybody tries to be their own person but you personally are not the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ only as you become y'all in the church of Christ. We are the church. The the church body is the body of Christ. Y'all are the body of Christ. So there's that corporate corporate dimension uh, that we need to, to realize. We only function well together. And so it's all of us who make up the body of Christ. But there's also a personal aspect here as well. So, so if you think about salvation in general, the corporate uh, idea of salvation, we're all in the body of Christ. But then the, on a salvation level, it's an individual thing. You are individually, each person here is a member. You're a part of the body And so there is a a personal relationship, a personal dimension to church membership. Dear friend, if you're a member of this church, it's not because your name is is written on some roll. That's not not very personal. The country club has that kind of of membership. You pay your dues and, and they put your name on a roll. Uh, now, unfortunately, I think about our church, and, and we have like 400, over 400 people on the roll, but are 400 people members of this church? No, not really. Not really. If you're not here uh, actively involved in the life of the church, you're not a member of this church. And we probably should do something to rectify that. Uh, it's not about having a name on the roll. There's an individual, a personal relationship that, that you have brought to the mix. You are personally in a relationship, an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And you're very important to Christ. And because you're important to Christ, you're important to the body of Christ. You bring those gifts and talents that God has blessed you with into the corporate body And the corporate body only functions healthy when you're here, actively involved, using your gifts how God intended you to use them. So uh, you're all, y'all are the body of Christ, and every member is important to the healthy functioning of the body of Christ. Every member is important. Now, think about that, though. We can still function without certain limbs can't we I mean mean, think about that as the human body that's what Paul is using here this analogy of the human body now we need all of our members we need all of our limbs to healthily uh, healthily function for healthy function we need every limb but you cut off a finger you cut off a hand you cut off an arm you cut off a leg you can still function But now you're functioning in a handicapped capacity. You can still make it. You can still do many things. 
uh, but now uh, you're not to your fullest capacity. You're not running at 100% because you're missing a vital part of, or an important part of the body. So a person who, who is missing an arm, they can still function, but not to their fullest. Well, so it is with the church. So it is with the church, and we're, we're thankful for this, right? Because there are a lot of, of members at different times who are not using their gifts as God has designed them to use, and the church continues to function. We continue to press on as the body of Christ, though we're functioning without an arm. We're functioning without a leg. We're functioning without a toe. We're, we're functioning at an unhealthy capacity. And I would just encourage you, friend, again, from last week, if you're not using your gifts, if you're a member of this church, God has brought you here. He has gifted you with certain gifts to, to function in the body of Christ. I just want to let you should know. If you're not here using those gifts as God intended you to, to use them, then the image of Christ is tarnished. The image of Christ that, that this church is supposed to reflect to our community is tarnished because you're not working at your full capacity. We're functioning at a handicapped level. And so we need every member doing his or her part to function as a healthy body and reveal the fullest uh, the fullness of God's glory the fullness of Christ's glory to our community at least the best we can now with this understanding that every gift and every member is important Paul does go on at, to, at this point to point out that certain gifts are essential to the life of the church there are certain gifts that are essential to the life. They're vital organs. In verse 20, he points out three such gifts, three vital gifts. So I want us to see that this morning. Three vital gifts, three gifts that are vital to the life of the church. And he gives these in, in gifted people, right? He's not listing gifts here. He's listing gifted people, but these gifted people are vessels of the gifts, so we see their gifts coming out of these, these titles that, that Paul lists here. Look at verse 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Now, notice what he does here. He starts off with these priorities. First, second, third. And then he moves to generalities. Then, then, then. And, and he, he lists some other gifts. But in doing this, he is prioritizing those first three. First, there's this. Second, there's that. Third, there's this other one. And then everything else falls in behind that, kind of in a general order. There's no ordering after that. But these three gifts are vital to the life of the church. Think about the body again. Every member of your body is important for the healthy functioning of the church, but your heart is vitally important. If your heart quits beating, you're dead. If your heart quit beating, you are dead. You are no longer, uh, uh, you're no longer living. You have no life in you. And so it is in the church. If without these gifts, without these gifts, without these functions, the church ceases to be the church. The church ceases to be a functioning church. At that point, we're just a social club. We're just a social club meeting for no real purpose other than to gather together and maybe do some things. But we have ceased to be the church. So these are vitally important. And so we see three of them. First of all, uh, as Paul lists it, first there are the apostles. The apostles. This is a particularly gifted person. Uh, the apostle, of course, y'all probably heard this before, but the word here is apostolos. And the apostles are in, in just the Greek language, the, an apostle is a messenger. An apostle is a messenger. So if, if the king 
were to send out a messenger to a city or to another official, he would send out an apostle, someone who would take the message. Now, of course, in the New Testament, there are certain places where uh, there are apostles of the church, and and these are kind of just general, they use this term in a general sense. They're messengers of the church. But primarily what we see in the New Testament is that this term apostle is specific to a specific group of people. It becomes in the New Testament primarily a title for specific people, a a, a special group of people in the New Testament. It, It comes to represent God's special messengers tasked to establish the church. God's special messengers tasked to establish the church. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says, the church is the building on, uh, excuse me, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And so we see the apostles most generally, when we talk about the apostles in the New Testament, with only a few exceptions, these apostles were commissioned by, they were specially commissioned by the resurrected Christ. And so typically, when we talk about the apostles in the New Testament, we're talking about the 12 apostles, right? That Jesus, they walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, and then Judas died, and so they replaced Judas with, with Matthias, and so there were 12 apostles who lived with Jesus and walked with Jesus during his earthly ministry. And then after the resurrection, Jesus commissioned them as apostles to the church. And then later on, he then further, he, he made Paul. He commissioned Paul to be an apostle to the Gentiles. So we have a total of 13. That's not 13, that's 6. But we have a total of 13, 13 uh, apostles in the new testament paul he clarifies he says, i'm apostle of jesus christ and he he tells us in scripture that he was commissioned by the resurrected lord on his journey to damascus when jesus appeared to him there and so we have the ministry of the apostles who were especially commissioned by the resurrected jesus christ now what was their their mission well one it was to establish the church their first, their first mission was to establish the church. And so they were given the task to be the witnesses of Jesus Christ and to establish his church in the world. And that's what they did. As part of that activity, uh, they went out to the nations. They went out to the Jews first and then to the rest of the nation. And they rightly interpreted, first of all, they rightly interpreted the Old Testament. When you look at and follow Paul and his missionary journeys, what did he do from the very beginning? He would go into the synagogues and he would teach them Christ from the Old Testament. And so they were, they were commissioned to rightly interpret. It would have been wrongly interpreted. Now they are rightly interpreting the Old Testament scripture in light of Jesus Christ. And, and so they're building the church on the, the testimony of the Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets. But at the same time, they were also commissioned to write the New Testament, to speak God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word to the church of Christ. And and so they were commissioned to rightly interpret the old and give us the new. They They were commissioned to be inspired writers of Scripture. So they rightly interpreted the old, they wrote the new. Now today, this office is dead. It's no longer in existence. I don't care what that person calls himself and, and puts his title up on the apostle so-and-so. Uh, he's not an apostle, not in this sense anyway. He might be a messenger of somebody, but, but he's not specially commissioned, capital A, apostle of the church. There were only 13 of them. The first original 12 and then Paul. That's it. That office is dead. Now, how do we keep this office, though? How do we keep that gift in the church? Because it's a vital organ, right? Paul says, first the apostles. That's a vital organ. This is a priority in the church. Well, we keep that office alive. We keep those gifts alive by studying this. You see, we have 
what they had to give us. We have the holy, inspired, and inerrant word that they wrote. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. They copied it down. They wrote it down. And God has preserved it and passed it on to us. So we make that, that uh, gift of apostleship. We make that gift a priority in our church by revolving everything around the holy, inspired, and inerrant word of God. So we, we make that, we continue to make that a priority by making scriptural, scripture key to the life of our church. So first is the apostles. First is the apostles and what we have from them in God's holy and inspired and inerrant word. Second, the second vital gift is the gift of the prophets. The prophets. First, are the apostles, second, the, the, the prophets. Now, again, I, I think what Paul is talking about here, he's not referring to Old Testament prophets. He could be. A lot of people say he is talking about the Old Testament prophets, but uh, my thinking is that if Paul was talking about the Old Testament prophets, he would have put them in, in the first of the list because they came before the apostles. So, so my thinking, he's putting the, the uh, prophets back in there with that group of the apostles as they rightly interpret the, the, the prophet's message to the church. But when he puts the, the prophets as second in the list, I think he is talking about that spiritual gift of prophecy that we talked about earlier on in our look of the spiritual gifts, and that is those who have the gift of boldly and confidently proclaiming God's word. Those who boldly and confidently proclaim God's word. He's talking about the preachers in the church who were commissioned to take the word of the apostles and declare it, pass it on to the body. It's the gift of, of preaching as we think about the gift of, of prophecy. These are the ones who expound and apply scripture. They expound and apply scripture. That is, they explain it. That's what I'm doing right now, right? I'm explaining. Here's this word. Here's what it means. And here's, here's how Paul puts it together. We're explaining it. We're expounding the text. We're expounding the message of the apostles to bring clarity to their thought, the, the word of God. And then to apply that scripture then to the life of the church. They expound and apply Scripture, and they, they, expand, they expound and apply it not only to the church, but also to the world in whatever capacity God gives them to do that. If we look over in Ephesians, we see that Paul has a different list there. He calls the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and then the shepherd teachers. Why does he make a different list there? Well, it all has to do with context. Uh, of course, he's talking, he's addressing different issues to a different people. I think here, though, he, he's kind of including uh, evangelism, evangelists in that list of prophets because he does tell Timothy in 2 Timothy to do the work of, of an evangelist. He was a prophet. He was a preacher in the local church, but he says do the work of evangelism. So evangelism is, is also very vital to the life of the church, but uh, we... we the, the prophet proclaims God's word to the church. He expounds it and applies the church to the, or expounds word and applies the word to the church, but also to the world in whatever relation God gives him to do that. And it's always with our eyes towards that application, applying it to the local body of the church. Now, this is going to be important next when we talk about the next, the third in our list here, but, but they apply it, all right? The preacher has a, a, his hand on the pulse of the church. He, he sees the grand picture, and, and he's using God's word and applying God's word for the life and vitality of the church as a whole. So first, there are the apostles. Second, there's the prophets. And third, there are teachers. Third are teachers. Now, teachers teach traditional theological and moral teachings of the church. That's their task. So when we're talking about teachers, we're not just talking of the preacher. He, I, I preach and teach both. Uh, both of those activities are going on right now. 
But then we have other teachers, teachers who are in our life groups, teachers who are teaching different Bible studies along the way. They're not a prophet, but they are teachers. What do they do? How do you differentiate between the two? Well, teachers, they're going to teach more uh, of the the general traditional theology, what we believe as a church. Uh, They're going to teach more of that and make moral applications more in general to those to whom they are teaching. As one commentator states it, the difference between the office of teacher and the office of prophet is this. The teacher would pass on the traditional Christian theological and moral teachings that were valued and needed to be known by all believers everywhere, while the prophets were especially gifted at addressing the particular context-specific needs of a gathered congregation with inspired pastoral insight. And so there you have the two differences. The teachers, uh, they take the the Sunday school book or they take this this Bible study or or whatever or even develop their own uh, little little messages there, but they they tend to stay more general in their application where the preacher uh, typically looks at what does the church need Uh, What does the church need, and how does this apply specifically to where the church is today? So there's a more pulse. He has his his finger on the pulse of of the whole life of the church. So an essential mark of a living church is the faithful preaching and teaching of God's holy word. That's, That's what it's all getting at. The essential mark or an essential mark of a living church is the faithful preaching and teaching of God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Without that, the church is dead. Without that, the church is absolutely dead. We can just strike it off. We can just quit meeting. We can disperse because we have no life in us. God's word makes our heart beat. It, It keeps us going it gives us life it's only through god's word that we we hear about jesus we learn about jesus we know the gospel we know who jesus is and and how to live for jesus and be like jesus without the word there's none of that and so the faithful preaching and teaching of god's word is central to the life of the church without it the church is dead it must be our priority It must be our priority. So every gift, every member is important to the healthy functioning of the church. We need every member doing his or her God-given part in the church. We do need that. We absolutely need that. But we also need to understand that the faithful preaching and teaching of God's Word is vital, vital to the life of the church. Therefore, we must prioritize the vital gifts we must prioritize the vital gifts now we move to that last little verse there verse 29 are all apostles are all prophets are all teachers do all work miracles do all possess gifts of healing do all uh, speak with with tongues do all interpret but earnestly desire the higher gifts now when we read that i don't know about you but when I first read that, and as I was kind of beginning to study this passage this week, I was like, now, it seems like Paul is contradicting himself here, right? Now, are, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all have this gift and that gift and the other gift? Uh, but earnestly desire. It seems to be that Paul is saying that, that not everybody's going to have the same gift, and, and that's what he is saying. Not everybody is going to have the same gifts. Not everybody can can have the gift of prophecy. Not everybody can have the gift of teaching. Not everybody can have the gift of faith. Not everybody can have the gift of prayer and on and on and on and down the list. But then he turns around and says, but earnestly desire, earnestly desire the higher gift. So does that mean that we should pray that we can preach? Should we pursue preaching? Should we pursue teaching? Even that, though that's not our gift, should we, we try it out, right, and, and try to develop that in our, our lives? Well, it, from what we've seen thus far about the spiritual gifts, 
You can't develop what he hasn't given you. You can't develop what he hasn't given you. And so if he's not giving you the gift of teaching, you just can't go out on your own and develop that. Now, you might pray, oh, Lord, I wish I could teach. You might pray that, but that doesn't mean he's going to grant that that prayer, right? He, He might not give that to you because he's got something else for you to do. And so Paul can't be saying that. He, he can't be saying, well, if you try hard enough, if you try these gifts out, then, then maybe you can develop them. No, it, these are not gifts that we can develop. They're given. They're gifts. They're gifts given by God. So what is Paul talking about here when he says earnestly desire the higher gifts? We have to understand what, what he's talking about here. When you begin to, to look at the word here for earnestly desire, you, you begin to see this. You begin to see it. The word here for earnestly desire means to be positively and intensely interested in something, to desire or be dedicated to something. In other words, prioritize it, pursue it. Pursue it intensely. And and this is something that God has always expected of every believer. He always expects, always has expected every believer to passionately pursue his word. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9, that's the, the great Shema. That is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And this is how you begin to pursue that love relationship. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. These words, the the Bible that God had given them at that point. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible and he left it in Deuteronomy. He left it with Israel. And he says, these words, this is God talking to them, but these words that I command you, the Bible, they shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently, right? You shall teach them diligently. You shall earnestly desire them. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit sit in your houses and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your head and they shall be as as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, the, the word of God should pervade every aspect of your life. Your mind should always be uh, in tune to the word of God. You should talk about the Word of God when you get up in the morning. I mean, you, you should open that Bible and, and read a chapter or two, right? It should be the first thing that you do in the morning. It should be on your mind when you go to bed. It should be on your mind when you're, you're driving to work, when you're coming home from work, and when you're typing up that, that document at work. Winter, it should be always on your mind. That's how we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We make his word a part of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We make it a part of every aspect of our lives. Now, if that's true for the individual, how much more for the church? How much more should it be a priority for the church, the body of Christ? You know, when, when we think about that, we should earnestly desire a healthy heart right we should earnestly desire a healthy heart in our physical body we should earnestly desire a a healthy heart the way we obtain that healthy heart though is, is by taking some practical steps to prioritize that goal in our lives therefore if we want a healthy heart uh, if you want a healthy heart, you, you need to earnestly desire a healthy heart and you need to prioritize a healthy diet. You need to prioritize a healthy workout regimen that targets on making your heart healthy. Right? You can't pull your heart out of your chest and set it on the bench press and, and make it do 
bench presses, right? You can't take it, your heart out and throw it on the treadmill and, and make your heart do laps on the treadmill. No, you've got to put your feet and your hands to work to prioritize your heart. And so we see in the church, we have to prioritize the vital gifts in the church. Now, how do we do that in the church? Here's how we prioritize the vital gifts in the church. We prioritize the vital gifts in the church by first prioritizing the vital gifts in worship. Prioritizing the vital gifts in worship. That is in the life of the church as a whole. We prioritize it in, in worship. You know what our number one core value is as a church? Biblical teaching. Biblical teaching, that was A number one. When we sat down and wrote out our core values, A number one in our core values was biblical teaching. Making God's word central to the life and vitality of our church. That means we, we put a premium on the preaching and teaching of God's word. We want that to be uh, the core, at the core of who we are as a church, and thus it should be. Thus it should be. We must prioritize it in our worship. When we come in here to our, our worship, now we worship not just in here, right? We worship in many places in the life of the church, but uh, when we, even when we come in here, the preaching and teaching of God's Word and worship service must be a priority. Now, uh, it just gets on my nerves when, when people make when they talk about worship service and they can kind of confine that to to music to the song service larry agrees with me on this so don't worry i'm not stepping on his toes or anything. he agrees with me on this right uh the music is not worship it's a part of worship but it's not worship in itself right a secular person goes to a concert and they worship uh, another kind of music, but just because we come in here and sing and, and we, we raise our hands, that doesn't make, mean that we're worshiping. You can sit there and sing all the songs and still not worship, right? Music is a part of the worship, but it's not worship. It's not the worship service. In fact, it's not the most important part of the worship service. Music is like the appetizers, right? It, it's the it's the cheese fries before the steak dinner. We like it. It's good. It gets us ready, right? It, it, it gets our, our, our saliva working, right? It, it turns on our saliva pumps and, and gets us all ready for the, the main course. But it's not the main course. It's not the main course. And honestly, if we just took out the music say say they said next week that oh well you can't sing anymore well that's fine we can still have church without music it would be like taking away the appetizer right we we would miss it but it's not the main course the main course is hearing thus saith the lord the main course is seeing what God has to tell us. That's us talking to God, and that's all good and great and wonderful. But when we sit down behind God's word and say, thus saith the Lord, well, now God's talking to us, and that is a priority in worship. It is, a pri it is the, the priority in worship. This is the priority in worship. And in any church where this is not the priority in worship, they're, they're on the wrong path. They're on the wrong path. You don't need that church. I'll just be honest. For the, the life, for the vitality of the church, the preaching and teaching of God's word must be prioritized in the worship and, and in the whole life of the church. So we prioritize the vital gifts in worship. Second, we prioritize the gifts in attendance. Uh-oh. Stepping on some toes now. We prioritize the vital gifts in our attendance by being here, by showing up, coming to life group, getting involved in a life group where you're, you're under the influence of these uh, teachers who, who have been gifted by God to teach the Bible. 
by being in life group, showing up for life group, for showing up to worship and, and listening to the preaching and teaching of God's word. Through your attendance, you prioritize the vital gifts. Now here's a, a terrible statistic that, that is, is true today. And I hate this. I mean, really, church, um, the American church needs to wake up. American church needs to wake up. Fifty years ago, you were considered an active member of a church if you came to three or more services a week. A week! Now you know what an active church member is considered? If you show up once a month, you're considered an active church, an active church member. How pathetic. How pathetic. You can't even come once a week. You're not dedicated to the church. You're not dedicated to Christ. You're not dedicated to his word. You just want to check a box off. You should be here every week. Now, I know circumstances happen. You go on vacations. You get sick. You, whatever. And, and we have a lot of members who are uh, just health won't allow them to get here. And they, they do the best. I, I understand that. But if you're healthy enough to be here, you should be here. You should be here for the preaching and teaching of God's Word. If not, you're not making that a priority in your life. You're, you're not making your relationship with Christ a priority in your life. You make these vital gifts a priority by showing up, by being in an, an attendance every chance you can. So you prior, we prioritize these gifts in our worship. We have prioritize these vital gifts in attendance and third we prioritize these gifts in service in service and this is where all of the other gifts become so vitally important to the healthy functioning of the church you prioritize these gifts these vital gifts in your personal service using your personal gifts whether your gifts is, is preaching and teaching or not, you, you prioritize these gifts in your own personal service. Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, uh, we're, we're in the midst of our deacon selection process, and, and uh, what a, an important office within the church, but the, the office of, of, of the diaconate is a, an office of service. And we see the establishment of this office in Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 1. And these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution, that is the daily distribution of food. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples, the whole church, and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among yourselves seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint this duty. Full of the Spirit. They have spiritual gifts for this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose uh, Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Pro, uh, Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and uh, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And look at this verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests even became obedient to the faith. When the church began to use their spiritual gifts, when these men stepped up and began to use their spiritual gift of service, then that allowed the preachers, the apostles, to... to devote themselves to the preaching of God's word they made the preaching and teaching of God's word the priority in the church by serving by using their gifts they made the the vital gifts the most important thing through their service 
And when they did that, the word of God increased. It increased in the church. The church grew in their relationship to Christ and, and their, their, the way they lived to be like Christ. It increased. And what happened then? God added more to their number. As people were going out and talking about, well, here's what's going on down at church. And this is what we learn in church. And telling people about Jesus, the church increased. So, dear friend, your gift, whatever your gift is, though it may not be preaching and teaching, that doesn't make it less important to the healthy functioning of the church. I can preach and teach as God has called me to preach and teach as my deacons, especially my deacons. Man, I got a good set of deacons. Let me just brag about my deacons. I do. I'm, I'm proud of my, our deacon ministry here. They got an absolute fabulous deacon family ministry, and they serve their families well. Uh, it's better than in many churches I've seen, and, and I'm proud of my deacons. They serve me well, and they serve me well by serving you well. So that they're there to, to meet your needs, and, and I can study God's Word. I can go to God in prayer on behalf of the church. I can preach God's Word. And not have to worry about, well, is this person getting taken care of? That person getting taken care of? I know they're getting taken care of because of my deacons serving, using their gifts to serve the church. But they're not alone in that. Every person, whether you're a deacon or not, whether you're a preacher or a teacher or not, whatever your gift is, you are important to the healthy functioning of the church. I can do my job better when you do your job in the church. I can use my gifts more effectively the teachers in the life groups can use their gifts more effectively when other members are using their gifts effectively. Right now, we need a greeter ministry. We need a greeter ministry. We, we need just, just a handful of people, five people, who will show up early. Now, now some of the security, you guys, you're, you're taking on some of this, and I appreciate what you do, but, but the security guys can only do so much because they can't really leave their post. I need like five or six people, maybe, to show up early just to greet people. New, new, new guests come to the door. Uh, hey, how are you doing today? Oh, well, let me tell you a little bit about our church. Oh, where are you going? What do you need? And helping people get from point A to point B who don't know this facility. Man, I just need five people to do that. But you know, thus far, the only people I, I've had said I would do that are my teachers, my life group teachers, who are already showing up to go to life group and, and prepare. They can't be here and, and take people around to classes because they're already obligated. I need greeters to take on that service so they don't have to do it. And I don't have to do it. So we need you. If you have a hint of the gift of hospitality or service, we need you in that capacity to, to be a greeter, just to welcome people to our church and, and help first-time guests get to where they need to go. And if you can do that, if you will do that, then it frees other people up to do their jobs even better. Well, we need every member doing their part in the life of the church. And when you serve to the best of your ability, you prioritize these vital gifts and these vital offices to the life and the ministry of the church. Prioritize prioritize these vital gifts in your worship, in your attendance, and in your service by employing your spiritual gifts in the life of the church. The church must, absolutely must prioritize these most vital gifts to live. Therefore, we must prioritize these gifts. We must prioritize these gifts in the life of the church. And I, I pray that everyone here and those listening in who aren't able to be here, you would prioritize the vital gifts. You would prioritize the preaching and teaching of God's Word for the life of the church. And it's only when the gospel, the Word of God is preached and taught that we really understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
and how the gospel affects each and every one of our lives. And most importantly, how the gospel saves the lost. How the gospel gives us an, an avenue out of our path to everlasting judgment and opens up the path to God. It's only when the gospel of God's word is preached and taught that people can hear and, and come to faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so when we prioritize the preaching and teaching of God's word, we're prioritizing the gospel and the life of the church. And dear friend, I want you to know today, and maybe there's some here that you, you've never heard the gospel for all, all this thing about spiritual gifts is strange to you and it will be strange to you because you don't know Jesus you're on the, the path to everlasting destruction because you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ but that's what we're here for we're here to tell you the good news of Jesus Christ that Christ Jesus our Lord who is God stepped out of glory, stepped out of heaven. He came and he lived and he died for you. You've been living in disobedience against God, but he came and lived in obedience for you, and he died on Calvary's cross for you so that if you trust in him and give your life to him, you can have everlasting life in him. And when you give your life to him, you become a part of his body. You become a part of his body. He gives you the Holy Spirit and he equips you to live in the life of the church. But it all starts with surrendering to Christ. Surrendering to Christ. Turning away from your life of rebellion. Turning away from your life of disobedience and turning to Jesus. Trusting in him. I just ask you, will you do that today? If you've never trusted in Jesus, if you've never trusted in Jesus, trust in him today. Give your life to him, and he will save you. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that the gospel, your word of truth, the gospel is a priority in our church. And Lord, we continue, we want to continue to make it a priority in our church because it's only through the word that we truly know you. It's only through the word that we, we can grow closer to you, know your will. And so, Lord, let us always make your word the priority through making the preaching and teaching of your word the priority in our church. Oh, Lord, I know there's certainly those who are either here or are listening in, Lord, who've never trusted in Jesus. Lord, I pray today that you would touch their hearts. Let them see Jesus. Let them know Jesus. And save their soul today, Lord, I pray. This I pray in Christ's name.